All right, let's stand to our feet and let's praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the King of our heart, and he's a good, good Father. Amen. the king of my heart be the mountain where I run all the fountains I drink from oh he is my soul let the king of my heart be the shine where I hide all the realms of all my life oh he is my soul you are good good Yeah. 
maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, the miracle worker, Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, 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 that is who you are. Father, the miracle worker, promise keeper. God, what you have promised, we can stand on, Lord, no matter if we haven't seen it yet, no matter if we don't even see it working, we don't even th see things happening in the physical. Lord, we know in the spiritual realm, Father, things are moving into place because you said it, Father. Because you said it, there's so much power in your voice, Father, in your tongue. God, when you say something, it has to start happening, even though we don't see it so receive it, Father. God, I pray that as we worship you and we glorify you, begin to show us, Lord. Let us get a glimpse into the spirit realm of what's happening, God. God, when we begin to doubt 
what's happening. That if anything's coming about, Lord, I pray that you would show us and let us see that you haven't forgot about us. Let us see that there's no one like you. That you have already begun the process even if we don't see it. You've already began moving in that person's life and our kid's life. Our cousins or our family, whoever it is, the person we've been praying for, you've already started moving in their life. We trust it by faith. We continue to, to, to cover it in prayer. None like you. You're the faithful one. There is none like you. None like you. The faithful one. Jesus. There is none like you. None like you, faithful one. You are the one who knows my need before I call. You tell the story. It will cease for its heart. A God above who searches deep within my heart. The highest praise cannot proclaim. There is none like you, like you, faithful one. There is none like you, none like you, faithful one. Sacrifice.
everlasting, everlasting. Name above all, Jesus, you are the everlasting, everlasting. Name above all, and there is none like you. You're the faithful one There is none like you None like you Faithful one Jesus None like you None like you You're the faithful one Jesus, sweet love, oh, how we love you, and you are the one that our hearts adore, Jesus, sweet love. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Oh, things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace. And things that we thought were dead Are breathing in life again And you'll your sun to shine on darkest night For all that you've done we will pour out our love, this will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we now have a home and all that was lost has found its place in you and you lift our weary head and you make us strong instead you took these 
deserve my worship And you alone deserve my praise And you alone deserve my worship And you alone deserve my praise My worship, you alone deserve my praise, you alone deserve my worship, you alone deserve my praise, King of glory, who compares to My offering and every ounce of worship I will pour at your feet, your Lord. King of glory, who compares you? You are worthy of.
Oh, you deserve my praise. You alone deserve my worth. Oh, I give it all to you. Oh, deserve my praise. It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. It's all for you. It all belongs to 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 you. No one else deserves my worship. else deserves my praise. It all belongs to you, Lord. It all belongs to you. Oh, it all belongs to you. Oh, it all belongs to you. I hope Jesus, the greatness of 
His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. time with the Lord I was in the book of Revelation in chapters 4 and 5 we see John sees for the first time a glimpse into the into glory and he sees the the living beasts around the throne he sees the elders seating on thrones they're crying out holy 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 is the Lord and then they fall down and they cast their crowns at his feet in chapter 5 it goes on and then it shows the one who is worthy to break the seal and all of a sudden it says they heard the voice the sound of many waters and it was the thousands upon thousands times ten thousands of the saints of God that were worshiping and praising God in heaven and I couldn't help but think about that this morning as we're doing this and singing these songs right now 
this is important. This is so important. Giving God the glory. Giving, worshiping Him. In fact, I was thinking about the last church. In fact, as I was listening to my the scripture this morning, he talked about the church of Laodicea. He said, you, you've left your first love. Go back to the first thing. And I thought about the, the first thing. The first thing that uh, as a brand new believer, what is, the, what is the thing that hits you the most as a brand new believer? It's, it's how much you love him and how much he loves you. The simplicity of the fact that he came and found you, he died for you, paid the price for you, he bought you, he put his name on you, he adopted you, and just that love that you have for the Lord in the very beginning. And and I couldn't help but think about when I was listening to the scriptures this morning and reading, and he's talking about go back to that first thing, go back to that first thing. And then you see chapter 4, worship, and chapter 5, more worship and praise and being poured out on him. And we've been, almost every song, the last three or four songs have all been about pouring out our love, about giving him worship, giving honor. And I want us just to do that for the next couple of minutes again, with that focus in mind. And it, it has to be more than just words on a screen. It has to come from the heart. Holy, holy, holy. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. We cry, holy, holy, holy. Mercy and love 
not only worthy but he's all powerful he is able to do exceedingly above all that we could ask or think and I'd like us to take a couple moments to pray one there's a number of people needing God to touch him brother Rickson had a kidney transplant it's been a week now and everything went well but his numbers need to come up with <clears throat> the word was we need his kidney that new kidney to come that kidney to come alive it needs to come alive for the numbers to come up so he can be discharged from the hospital how many of you believe that God can make that kidney come alive? Amen. I mean, he is life. He's the life giver. He's the life force. I mean, he is life itself. He is the creative source that brought about everything that we see and we hold and we touch. And he's able to do that. And the scripture says if two would agree, if just two would agree, it would be done. And look how many more than two are in here. How many of you? How many of you know somebody else that's needing God to touch them physically in their body? Raise your hands up. Look, look, look around right now. There's probably almost fifty percent 
I mean, I missed last week because I was out. And I thank God I'm here today. I felt God's touch yesterday. Really touched yesterday. The stripes on his back were not in vain. I told the Lord in my prayer this morning. I said, your stripes were not in vain. Manifest that healing power right now in the name of Jesus. So can we pray right now for every person who's needing a touch or they know someone that needs a touch. And, and for Rick's in this report right now, we're praying for that kidney to come alive so that he can be discharged from that hospital. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. And you said, enter boldly before your throne that we might find grace in time of need. God, we come boldly before the throne of Jesus because Jesus paved the way to that throne with his precious blood. And by his blood, we have access and we are called the children of God. You are Father and you are able to do, God, that which we ask. And so we pray right now for that kidney right now to come alive, to, be, to wake up and begin to function as it's supposed to do right now, Lord God. Right now, God, let that thing be, that be, begin to function as it was created originally to do so right now. Father, for every person that raised their hand that's needing a touch in their body, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for healing right now. We rebuke sickness and disease. We rebuke all infirmity. Father, in Jesus' name, the stripes upon your son's back were not in vain. He did not take the stripes. He did not take that suffering that God, that your people, that the promise would not be fulfilled. By his stripes, we are healed. And we thank you, Father. And we ask it now. And now we pray, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as only you can do. That your purpose and plan be brought forth in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Won't you just turn and greet someone around you right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you this morning. Hallelujah. Sorry I'm a little hoarse, but that's better than the way it was a couple days ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Glad that you're here. Man, the summer's getting ready to kick off. A lot of big things getting ready to happen with camps and and all kinds of trips, and a lot of folks are already making trips. And several text messages from people saying, I'll be out of town this week, Pastor. We're on the road, we're on the road, we're on the road, pray for us. And so 
Well, praise God. That's right. <laughs> um, that's what summertime is, isn't it? For a lot of folks, it's, it's, it's traveling. But we're glad that you're here this morning. And um, on the first Sunday of the month, we usually have a, a highlight um, we, about missions. And we're going to do that. I'm going to just do it a little bit different this morning. In just a moment, Tiger, Brother Tiger's coming to tell you about our focus this month. And, um, uh, but I want to show you a short video first, and then I'm going to tell you, talk to you a little bit about next Sunday. Normally, we'd receive like a special missions offering on the first Sunday of the month. And, um, but how many of you know it's, you can do something different once in a while? Yeah, and uh, but uh, next Sunday, I'll just go ahead and tell them now. Can I do that, Tyre? Yeah. <laughs> next Sunday, we're going to have um, Amanda Thompson going to be with us, and she is uh, a Louisiana girl. Her daddy pastors Bayou Blue Assembly of God. He's been there for many years, Packy Thompson, and his daughter is now missionary in Vietnam. And, uh, but she, and if you know anything about Vietnam, and I could tell you a lot about it, been there before, things have changed and things have opened. And, and she's going to be here next Sunday morning, um, ministering in a brand new song that she's written and talking about the doors that God's opened and how she's able to minister there in Vietnam. So and we've started to just started supporting her. So next week, instead of receiving this offering for missions this week, we're going to receive it next week when our missionary's here. How's that? Okay. So I'm just letting, letting you know now. And, and if you're not going to be here next week, you can do it online. There's a place online, and you can, and if it, it defaults to tithes and offerings, but you can drop it down and put missions, and it goes, to whatever you put in there will go to missions, so you can actually do it while you're driving on vacation, okay, how's that, but we're going to have, she's going to be here next week, and I think it's just going to be great, I'm excited to hear how God has opened these doors, I've been watching her private Facebook page, and how she's been uh, sharing the things that God is doing, I'm just telling you, when I was there in 1994, if you mention Bible, Jesus, Christian, church, or anything, that didn't matter if you were a foreigner, you'd be arrested and thrown in prison. And two months ago, Franklin Graham held an open-air crusade in the country. I mean, God is breaking down walls. Incredible. So uh, we're going to watch a real short video, and then Pastor Tiger is going to come and tell you just a little bit about this ministry, and then pray for our missionaries and our mission works that we support, okay? We are, we are Love, Inc. That's not incorporated, but rather in the name of Christ. We are a non-denominational ministry on a mission to mobilize local churches to transform lives and communities in the name of Christ. Simply put, we help churches help people. Why? Because we believe there's nothing more powerful than churches working together as the body of Christ. As the body of Christ, every Christian church, regardless of denomination, is called to serve their neighbors and share their resources. They are called to walk with people who are struggling within their walls and out in their community. So where do we come in? Love Inc. connects the calling of local churches to the struggles of the community. Here's how Love Inc. works. A community member with a need calls a local church. This could be a simple request, like diapers for their child or food for their family. 
or something bigger, like a bed for their daughter, a ride to a medical appointment, or some other type of support, and they ask, can you help me? The church can say, yes, we partner with other churches so that we can. Call Love, Inc. to learn more. So they call, and we pick up. We listen to them. We get to know them, their strengths and struggles, their hopes and dreams. We want to know about more than their current crisis, because we're not just about meeting needs. We're about meeting people where they're at and caring for them holistically. Then, through Love, Inc.'s network of churches and community relationships, we work to help. Diapers are provided by one church, groceries by another. Rides are arranged with caring church volunteers, while classes and mentoring are provided by others. And it's all coordinated by Love, Inc. So at every step, our neighbors are met with dignity and respect, while our partner churches are free to focus on serving according to their strengths, knowing that each individual will be fully cared for by the body of Christ within their community. The result? Transformed lives, transformed churches, and transformed communities. Will you join us in this work? Visit loveinc.org to find out more or contact your local Love, Inc. to get connected in your community. Well, good morning. Did y'all catch that? I love it. It said Love, Inc., not incorporated because the church is not a business. It says Love in Christ. I remember listening to a message by Steve Hill, and he talked about the years of Brownsville, and he said there would be millions coming through the doors of the church financially. But not only were they coming in, they were going out. And he said it just like that. He said, because this is not a bank. And I believe Life Church feels the same way about finances. Uh, just a little side note, you do not have to wait till Mission Sunday each month to sow into missions. We have an online thing. I believe missions, you, you might hear people say that if you listen to the heartbeat of Jesus, it says souls, souls. Well, I believe it translates missions as well because they're one and the same. They mean the same thing in the spirit. Missions is reaching souls. And sometimes it's our finances that God uses to reach people. Uh, the reality is this, sometimes your money can reach farther than your mouth can. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. I mean that in a, in a spiritual way. Sometimes we can't go to other nations. Sometimes we can't even go inside our own cities because life gets us so full. Y'all know what it's like as, as parents and stuff you get. But Love, Inc., somebody had the burning desire. Somebody had uh, this burden from the Lord to start this mission in their own city. So missions are not only here, but they're across the nation. They're across the sea overseas. And we are a church that believes in missions. That's why we, we show these things once a month. We want the vision to be caught in the church because if God can trust us with people, he can trust us with finances. He can trust us with anything because that's what this is about. Amen. So I just want to, I want to challenge you guys. Missions, man. The mission, yeah, the, the harvest is plentiful. That's what Jesus said. So don't do this. Don't tighten your fist. Don't tighten your wallet when God starts to speak to you about missions. Just this morning, uh, and I don't mean to be long-winded, but I was sitting there just thinking about missions and stuff. And, you know, my wife and I, we sow into probably seven or eight different missionaries. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, well, why don't you designate an amount 
to the church every month because we pay tithes and stuff. And I said, and I feel like he gave me a number and, we're, and I'm committed to that. I'm going to do that because I believe in missions. And I encourage you guys, start getting behind the Lord's movement in missions with your finances and watch what he does in your life spiritually. Amen. All right, we're going to pray for our missionaries this morning. We're going to pray for Amanda Thompson. We're going to pray for Love, Inc. We're going to pray for all the missionaries that Life Church supports and even the ones we don't. Amen. All right, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that these missionaries, God, that they have put their hands to the plow. God, we thank you right now that there is full provision for the mission that you have called them to financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically. God, we just speak life into their ministries. God, we pray that you would open doors that no man can shut in their lives. God, we pray for divine protection. We, we pray for divine structure and order over their missions, God, and we pray for the church. We pray for the church abroad that she would start to catch the vision, Lord, that she would start to understand the importance of missions in, in the church, God, that she would start to burn with desires to sow wherever she could, God. Lord, some of us, there's so much we waste money on, and God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you right now that you would press us, God, that you would challenge us in our spirit to start sacrificially giving to the church, start sacrificially giving uh, for the sake of winning souls, God. No, we pray for the missionaries, God. We pray that faith would arrest their hearts right now, God. Those who are uh, struggling financially and spiritually, God, we pray that the power of heaven would flow right where they are right now, God. We pray that you would give them divine connections with people. We pray that you would bring in, uh, individuals into their lives, God, that would be so instrumental in helping them to accomplish the mission that you have put before them, God. And Lord, we, we just plead your blood over their lives right now. We plead your blood over the inner city missionaries. We plead your blood over the, the missionaries of cross seas in different nations, God. We, we, we ask you, Father, that your spirit would go before them, God. We pray that you would just divinely order their steps over this next year, God. Let them give, give them such a powerful close out to this year, God, that it just fuels the fire for 2024 in their lives and in their ministry. We thank you for that, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I became aware of uh, Love Inc. here in Lafayette probably 15 years or more ago, and we've done a number of things with them. A couple of years ago, um, some of you may remember, um, some months after Jason Beard had been here that fall, he called me up. He said, Brother, I want to bring you some shoes. I said, like, I, said I don't need any shoes. He said, No, I got hundreds and hundreds of pairs of very expensive athletic shoes, boys, girls, men, women, and he has some connection somewhere. And he, he drove down from West Monroe with a truck and trailer load full of all these boxes of shoes. I'm talking about expensive kind of shoes that I told my kids, no, I ain't buying them for you. You know, they're too expensive, you know. And um, uh, we, 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 we gave some to some people that needed shoes and stuff, but I realized, we had hundreds and hundreds of shoes that there was no way we could give away to. And I prayed about it, and the first thing I thought of was Love, Inc. Because that's what happens. People call them, and, and they have a place where they can, they have supplies and things like that also. And, and so I called Lisa up and told her what I had, and she said, are you serious? I said, yes. And so they came. They got all those shoes. And took them back. They sorted them and everything. And two days later, I get a picture 
of the first kids that got their brand new shoes on. And I sat there and wept and cried at that picture, man. I mean, them kids had smiles that went past their ears. Man, they were so excited. They had just not plain Jane used shoes that were, these were brand spanking new, you know, fancy shoes, name brand shoes. I'm talking about Nikes and uh, Air Jordans and all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, it was like, yeah, <laughs> it was unreal. And so uh, we did a Christmas thing with them one time. And they knew, they do the vetting, they do the screening. And we found families that needed um, certain things. And we found out the ages of the kids and all of that. And we had a big Christmas party right down here after our Christmas program and invited those families in. And so they're a great organization. And listen, I've had people come to me and say, I wish I could go to the mission field. You can. You can give. But Love, Inc. is right here in Lafayette. And they look for volunteers that will come and volunteer their time. So if you want to work in the mission field, you can work in the mission field called Lafayette, Louisiana or Acadiana. And, they'll, they, and, and I can give you the phone number, or you can look it up online. They have their website, and you can call them and say, Pastor Bob at Life Church said, you might need volunteers. How can, how can I serve? And, and the thing is, we want you to see is that missions isn't always overseas. It's sometimes right outside your back door. And so we try to balance that. We try to find things that are local. We try to find things that are nearby or within the state or whatever. Others that are outside the state and others that are just outside the country. So that our mission focus is, is bigger than just me, my four, and no more. I remember years ago I went to a church in Mississippi. My wife and I were in transition time and looking where God would lead us. And I remember I walked into this church and they had on their board one picture of one missionary they gave $10 a month to. One missionary that the church gave $10 a month to. And it wasn't a big church, but I asked them, I said, how many other missionaries do you give to? Oh, no, that's our missionary. I said, how much do you give? They said, $10 a month. I said, are you serious? And my wife will tell you that we turned around and walked out. I said, I do not want to be a part of a church. I don't care if there's only 10 people. If you can't give more than $10 to missions, your priorities are wrong. I said, because you're getting ready to leave here. I guarantee you, I told the head of the board, I said, you're getting ready to leave here with your family and go spend probably $50 on a meal. But you can't give but $10 to missions. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's just my thing. That's where I was at. Okay. Um, I want to thank Pastor Josh last week did an awesome uh, gave an awesome message brother that was awesome it was and I appreciated it so much I, I told him uh, Wednesday I was in pretty bad shape and I said I'm not going to make it tonight and I said you better be ready for Sunday <laughs> and um, so uh, but uh, I, and, you know I, so I want, I want to kind of pick up where I left off two weeks ago uh, two Sundays ago, I talked about strategies of the enemy he tries to use against the people of God. And this kind of just dropped in my heart this week, uh, this, this, this phrase, frontline warriors, Front, spiritual frontline warriors. And you say, what is, why, why, do you, why is that? And I'll just tell you now, because instead of waiting until the, in the middle of the message, 
Because all of us are called to be spiritual warriors and do spiritual and, and, and be involved in spiritual battles and, and spiritual warfare, but not everyone will. And there are those like David who picked up the sling and charged the giant, while the whole army that was trained and ready, trained for battle was sitting in their tents hiding and huddling. And so I may, I'm, I'm saying these are four guidelines for spiritual frontline warriors. And why do I say that? Because the, 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 the guidelines for sitting in the back, doing nothing or being disengaged, you don't need any guidelines. Did I hurt your feelings? I hope I didn't. Because it doesn't take any special strategy to sit back and do nothing. Right? But it does to, take, to go to the front lines. The, the topic of spiritual warfare, I think sometimes we try to over-spiritualize it. And so I'm going to try and find a balance um, because spiritual warfare in and of itself is a very broad category, okay? It's everything from the distinctions of angels and demons. Yes, they're real. To the very question about spiritual attacks, to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to being putting on the armor of God, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. So my goal this morning is not to uh, um, specialize on anything or any particular bias or distinctives, but I want to two 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 areas, and I'm going to put them up on the screen. Two words: awareness and engagement. Okay, awareness of the reality of spiritual battles and its impact on us individually, on our families, and on our church family. I'm telling you, I've already talked with a few people this morning. They, and I said something about spiritual battles, spiritual warfare, and they went, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's been coming full tilt. I mentioned it about five weeks ago. I said, I feel like the church was entering into a season. And I say the church, I mean the body of Christ, a season of heightened spiritual warfare, um, a spiritual battle, spiritual struggling, and that we needed to be aware of it. So awareness of it, and then engagement. In other words, engagement is simply within the reality and to the degree that the Holy Spirit guides us. How many of you know that, that David couldn't wear Saul's armor? Saul could wear Saul's armor. And so what I'm, my pointing out that is simply that, that we're all called to engage, but we're in called to engage in different ways, in different manners, different times. Okay, and so I, I thought to myself, how could I simply define spiritual warfare? And, and, and I, I, I just put any time spiritual warriors boldly strike to make progress for the gospel in the name of Jesus, there is going to be significant resistance. The devil's not going to turn tail and run. Not, I'm not saying he has a tail. But he's not going to turn and run. Anytime that you're pushing forward, advancing the kingdom in whatever manner, you, you can expect spiritual 
battles, spiritual struggles, and a warfare that's going to happen, okay? Because the, the opposition is keenly opposed to God's kingdom advancing in this world. And, and I'm just telling you, boy, I've been, the, the last few weeks, I've been studying and, and praying, and the Lord's been showing me things that are happening all around us in the world today, and I don't think the church has a clue. They're sleeping through, through it all. And one day they're going to get brought, like broadsided in an attack and go, how did this happen? Because it's been building. It's been taking place, okay? There's, there's two facts regarding spiritual warfare. And I put them both up on the screen. And the first one is that you can expect problems to arise in proportionate to the measure with which you pray. Okay? In other words, when you're praying and you're battling in the spirit realm, you can expect the resistance or the struggle or however you want to call it to be in proportion to that prayer. If your prayer is, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, the devil ain't going to bother you. When I was in Bible college, the president of our college said one time, he said, he said, I'm convinced, he said, in the book of Revelation, it says every church has an angel. He said, I'm convinced every church has a demon too. I remember thinking, what? He said, the, the devil puts one demon at every church and says, let me know if they wake up. Yeah, that's true. So we can expect the spiritual nature of resistance to increase in proportion to the, how we pray. And the battle isn't always won on defense alone. Offense is also required. In Ephesians 6, we could see both offense and defense, talking about the armor of God. Let's just read these few verses together. And, and, and I just want to point this out to you because most people... Most people think of armor as protection, and it is. But armor is more than just protection from attack. There's a balance to it, okay? Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer, and request, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So let's just real quick look at this armor and, what, and, and the defensive and offensive part of it. The first thing it mentions is the belt of truth. And that's, the, that's dealing with the importance of sound teaching, understanding God's word, the truth of God's word. Because why? It counters the lies and deceit of the enemy. Truth nullifies or blocks the lies that the enemy would try and push past us. If you don't know the truth, then, then you're going to believe the lie. And I've said it so many times, the devil will tell you 99 truths if he could float one lie that will damn your soul to hell. 
You have to be able to know that. And the scripture tells us, John 8, 32, and you will know the truth. And what? And the truth will set you free. It's the truth. It's the belt of truth, okay? And he says that's what you have to take on. So it's God's word. It's knowing God's word. That is the belt of truth, all right? The second one is what? The breastplate of righteousness. It, and, and righteousness is a breastplate because it is meant to protect and shield the chest during battle. It is meant to guard your heart, okay? I mean, if you've got a helmet on and you've got armor every place else, but you have nothing to cover your heart, all it takes is one arrow or one spear or something like that that can take you down, right? And, and, and Proverbs says, he says, above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, okay? It's meant to guard your heart. Um, you can't, listen to me, you can't love both righteousness and wickedness. You can't. You can't love it. You might mix it, but you're not sold out either way. You will love one and hate the other. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. So a love for righteousness is a hatred for wickedness. Okay? Assurance, the breastplate of righteousness is assurance that believers are righteous in God's sight, eyes, and, and, and counter Satan's accusations. The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. So he wants to come and accuse you. He wants to come against you. He wants to sow lies and deceit inside of you. And the breastplate of righteousness says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a new believer in Christ. My sins are washed away. I am born again by the Spirit of God. I am filled with the Spirit of God. All of those things. It is... When Satan brings his accusations against you, how many of you know he does? He'll come and tell you that God's forgotten you, that God is, is too busy for you, that you've done it, you've failed too many times, that, that, that you never were a child of God. I mean, he'll bring all kinds of accusations. And, and we have to guard our hearts. Okay, this next one, the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, it reassures, the peace of God reassures and gives confidence in times of trouble. It counters Satan's desire for you to doubt and fear. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Some of you are going through right now. Some of you have been through and some of you will, will be going through some things where you don't understand the why. But you have to understand that he loves you and he has your best interest at heart. But the enemy will try and sow doubt and sow fear, but it's the peace that rules your heart. Peace rules it. It governs it. That's what the scripture says. Let the peace of God rule, govern your heart. Your heart is, is the emotion part of you. It is where, where, where fear can attack, where doubt can attack. 
And we have to take the, on the gospel of peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace. He said, I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let, and then he goes on and says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, that's where the enemy wants to attack us. He wants to bring fear. He wants to bring doubt. The shield of faith, Ephesians 6 and 16. We talk about that. What is that? It says to extinguish all the flaming darts of the wicked. The, the shield of faith is to shield yourself from the attacks of the wicked. It, it, it's the wicked one and the wicked itself. Faith. We have to stand with faith against the onslaught that the enemy wants to bring. The helmet of salvation, to me, in, in its simplest form, is the expectation of future glory encourages the believer and helps overcome despair. If he can't sow dis doubt in you and he can't get fear in you, he'll try and sow despair where you just say, I give up. What's the point? throw in the towel. I mean, it helps us overcome the, the despair the enemy would want to bring, the helmet of salvation. But there's two offensive parts of, of Ephesians 6 that we read. And the sword of the Spirit. Now, I understand the sword can be used in a defensive way, but I believe more than anything, the sword of the Spirit is meant to give us to make us ready and give us confidence in battle, not only to defend, but to advance, okay? It gives us that readiness and that confidence in battle. And then the second one was prayer. It says, and it talked about it the very last thing. It says, and pray with all types of prayers. Pray in all different manners. Pray for all different things. Most people think that's separate, but it's, it's right in there with all these other things. He's talking about prayer. Prayer is a powerful weapon. It recognizes the covenant that we have with God and that we are his people or we are his children. However you want to view it, it ensures that the believer not, is not only heard by God, but that God acts when they pray. What would happen if people who pro professed to, that God answers prayer actually prayed expecting God to answer? Whoa. I'm just telling you. I read a, a, a statistic the other day from a survey. Most people believe that prayer helps, but most people believe that it's just them expressing that, they, that out loud that makes things better. I'm like, no, it's not. <clears throat> I don't believe that just saying something make, makes things better. I believe that God answers prayer. Right? Example, Acts chapter 4, verse 23, 29 and 31 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed. This was, remember, Peter was in jail. God got him out of jail. He shows up at the home prayer meeting where they're all praying for Peter to get out of jail, right? 
And they go and tell him Peter's at the door and they go, no, he's in jail. You know, God had gotten him out and he comes and tells him what happens and tells about the threats and I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's just incredible. And, it, and, and, and they said, so they prayed for boldness. And then look what it says. And after they prayed, after they prayed, the point is you, got, you have to pray first. And after they prayed, the place where they, meet, they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer is a, probably one of the most powerful parts of the armor of God and the least understood. Since Jesus has declared that his intention is to build his church, that the gates of hell, the authorities of hell, would not prevail against his church. And he's called on us to declare that good news. Anyone who does so will find themselves a frontline warrior. So let me just give you real quick four guidelines. Guidelines. That's all they are. How many of you know what a guideline is? It's like an area that, of instruction, but it's not like, like this, right? I mean, it's, it, it's a guideline. It's, it's fluid, but it, 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 it applies, okay? And the first one is simply acknowledge that spiritual warfare is real and it is a force against the church. It is active. It is, it's, 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 it's out there. It's real. Because it's led by an adversary who doesn't sleep. Who, he knows his time is short. And he's actively, God has his kingdom of darkness working in the earth because he only has a small scope of time. So in other words, he knows if I don't get it done, it'll never get done. So he doesn't sleep. So it's, it's real. But there's two key things I want you to remember about this. Because when people hear spiritual warfare, they freak out. A lot of them do. It is not something to fear. It is not something to fear. Why? Because Satan was defeated. Say was. Was. Past tense. He was defeated by Jesus' death and resurrection. He was defeated. Be as it may, we could say he is defeated, and he is, but at the same time, we can't pretend that he doesn't exist. Does that make sense? Okay. So we don't want to elevate the enemy by giving him so much attention. Listen, in my early days as a young Christian, in the early days of the charismatic renewal, when I came to Christ, <clears throat> In, in 1970, and, and, and within a year or so, uh, a church started in, in my mom's house that I, it started from a high school Bible study that my friend, myself, and two other guys started in my mom's house on a Friday night, and the church came out of that, okay? But there was a period of time when deliverance ministry all of a sudden came on the scene in America, and, and um, everything was about the devil, a famous comedian made it 
uh, Flip Wilson had the saying, the devil made me do it. And the church adopted that slogan. They did. And then when deliverance ministry came, it was like cast out the devil. Cast out the devil. Cast out everything needed to be cast out. Everything you did needed to be cast. It was a demon of this and a demon of this, a demon of this, a demon of this, a demon of this. I mean, I even heard, I won't tell you who it is because he's still on TV. I think he's still, yeah, he's still alive. Um, but he said, you know, he said, uh, the Lord spoke to me right now and there's somebody out there, you have a demon of bad breath. And I cast it out right now. And I thought, well, just go gargle with some scope or something, man, and Listerine, you know. And then and he also said, there's somebody out there has a demon of peanut butter. I said, must be smooth because crunchy ain't of the devil. I like crunchy. You know, I'm serious. I mean, the devil got credit for everything. And, and, and churches and home groups would get together and people would... The devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this. The, and we'd hear 30 minutes of testimony for the devil. And then the pastor would get up and pray for 15 minutes, binding every spirit that there was before he could preach. And I remember sitting there, I was a teenage kid, but I'm sitting there thinking, there's something wrong here. 45 minutes of church has all been about the devil. I said, God should be getting the praise. He should be getting the glory. We should have already bound the devil before we ever got to the pulpit. I mean, there are times to stop and do that. You feel the oppression of the enemy trying to come in. And, but man, that's not the time to do it. I mean, you follow what I'm saying? And so what was happening was the enemy was getting lifted up and Jesus was, was fighting for time. We have to be careful that we, we um, don't go overboard in elevating the enemy. He's real. Spiritual attacks are real. But let's not give him credit for everything. He's not all-knowing. God is. He's not all-powerful. God is. And the devil's not everywhere. He is a being. Singular being, he's in one place. And everybody's going, the devil did this, the devil did this. The devil. No, he has, he has demons. He has <clears throat> demonic powers, regimented powers underneath him. The kingdom of darkness is real. But we do not have to fear the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because we are children of the light. And light always causes fear, I mean darkness, to run. Always, okay? We can't pretend that it doesn't exist, but we cannot obsess over it either. And then the second thing is, not everything is a spiritual attack. Not every negative thing, bad thing, whatever, is a spiritual attack. Listen, a lot, a lot of times it is, and, and people don't recognize it. But many times, it's not. It's, it's a mess that maybe you made. In fact, when I was in Bible college, I had a, one of my professors did a class one morning before church, or, or, or did a series in, in church, and it was called Cast Out or Crucify. 
And it was where everybody was wanting to cast all their problems out. The de There's a demon making me do this. There's a demon making me do this. There's a demon making me do this. He said, no, the Bible says crucify the flesh. But you know what the problem with crucifying the flesh is? You can only do so much of it yourself. Think of it. I'm not trying to get gross here, but think about it. All right. Crucify myself. Boom, boom, boom. I got my feet on my hand. Boom, boom, boom. You can't do this one. So God will find someone. No, not them. No, God, don't use them. Just telling you. See, we want to put it on the devil when really what we need to do is bring our flesh, our, our self, our decision, our minds, everything into subjection to God and to his word. But we'd rather blame all our faults and problems on everything else, including the devil. It's that old saying that we're our own worst enemy because we create problems for ourselves with bad decisions, bad choices. How many of you have ever just made a bad decision? Yeah, hello. Several times a day sometimes. <laughs> you make one and then you make a bunch more to fix the one that you made, you know? So we're to be aware of spiritual battles and, uh, and, and understand, though, if we, if we over-exemplify them, obsess about them, then we're undermining our own authority in Christ. Because if, he is, if the devil is so great, then who are we in Christ? Come on now. It's the other way around. He, Christ is the overcomer. It is Christ who lives in you, the hope of glory himself. It is the word of God, okay? It, it's this idea, let, let me use this, then I'm going to move on, where people who see every problem in their life as a nail will always try and fix it with a hammer. Right? And not every problem in your life is a nail. Sometimes it's a splintered piece of wood. Sometimes it's a broken electrical. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, you can't fix. I worked for a guy like that. When I moved to Alabama from California, my mom hired a guy to demolish our kitchen and put in new cabinets. And he hired me to work in his cabinet shop. And I was like, great. He'd pay me $2 an hour. Man, minimum wage was only a buck back then. So I was getting like twice the money. And I remember the first morning I showed up, he said, we get to demolish your mom's kitchen tomorrow. So I show up early in the morning. I mean, I'm living there, right? I, I ate breakfast first because I thought we'd taken out the kitchen. I like breakfast, so I'm going to eat first. So I ate, got up a year early. He gave me a tool belt. I got my own tool belt, man. Eric had a tool belt with all these little holes and stuff, cool, with one hammer. I said, where's all the other stuff? He said, you don't need nothing but a hammer. I said, what if that hammer don't work? He said, get a bigger one. That was his mentality. He, he solved everything with a hammer. I was like, I like this. Works for me. 
bam! I mean, you know, and at one point when we couldn't get one cabinet down, he said, go out to my trunk and get the big hammer, big sledgehammer. So he came down. I mean, he fixed everything with a hammer. But we can't go through life with that mentality. We can't do it that way. The second guideline is you have to know the enemy and the strategies. And I talked about that two weeks ago. That message is up on the, on the website. But understand that the mission of the church is to bring change in the lives of people around us through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. And Satan wants to stop us. The kingdom of our darkness wants to stop us. And how, how, did, he want, how did he try and derail it in the beginning? In, in the book of Genesis, the serpent came and he sowed a lie. Eve bought into it, took it to her husband, and Adam sinned. The temptation in the garden was the catalyst for the battles that we, we face on a daily basis, okay? And, but here's the thing. When we think of spiritual warfare, a lot of times we think of big, big things, big, th big things, okay? And sometimes they're really big. But can I tell you, most of our battles are not big, big, big. They're small. Because the enemy said, did God really say that you'll die? You won't die. You'll be like God. It was a temptation to, and a desire to be like God. It, was, it seemed like a small thing. But look what the end result was. They lost their home. They were evicted from the garden. Sin was introduced into the world. And you and I were born with a sinful nature in need of a savior. They came from heaven. Saying no to the enemy and yes to Jesus. That's spiritual warfare. I mean, think about it. It really is. The enemy is shrewd and crafty. I mean, I could give you scriptures for all this. You can go look it up. He's a tempter. He's a murderer, a liar, a father of lies. He's the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. He's the one who masquerades as an angel of light. He's the ruler of the kingdom of, of the air. He's the one who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he will, can devour. He's the sinful one who sinned from the beginning of the world. He's the accuser of God's people. I mean, that's, that's what he is. You have to know who he is, and then you have to understand his strategies. And, and he tries to prevent humility by promoting self-sufficiency. He, he wants to prevent unity by creating division. He wants to prevent joy by causing discouragement. He wants to present, prevent peace and closeness with God by introducing us to busyness. He wants to prevent commitment by encouraging complacency. And I could go on and on and on and on. But we have to know the enemy, and we have to know his strategies. The third guideline is you have to discern your level of intensity and engagement. Okay? C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. How many of you have ever read it? Three or four or five of you. That's good. Usually when I say that, maybe one or two. Um, it, was, it was required reading for me in, in Bible college as a freshman. And um, the, the whole book is based on the premise of an older demon taking a younger demon under his wing and trying to teach him ways to defeat God's people. That's the, that's the premise of the book, okay? And so C.S. Lewis uses several chapters to point out different ways. In other words, he says, here's, here's the easy way. Here's where you start. 
And then the young apprentice comes back and goes, well, that didn't work. And he goes, well, if that didn't work, here's, try this, you know. And so that's the whole idea behind it. But in the preface of the book, and that's the part before you get to the part that's chapter one, right? You know, the introduction part. Here's what it says. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, he said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The second one is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So that's what he's saying. And so let me, let me just break that down simple, okay? Excessive focus means we, we can experience unnecessary worries and fears and create battles that don't exist. That's why the Bible says, give no thought for tomorrow. How many people are consumed about t- fears about what could happen tomorrow? I mean, if you just look at the media right now, they're going crazy in the realm of finances, in the realm of world war. I mean, I mean you name it, 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 it's, it. The whole country is going crazy out there. And if you start going, and, and, and it is easy to get to fall into these conspiracy things. And believe me, the, the Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. <clears throat> so recognizing something that's true doesn't make you a conspiracy nut. But if you're, an ex, if you're accessing about it, you're obsessing over it, and you're not in the word of God, and you're not telling people about Jesus, and you're not doing what the scripture says, then, then you've missed the boat. So it's excessive focus. And the second one is what I call casual dismissiveness. Uh, my my uh, word processor told me dismissiveness is not a word, but it is. Because dismissive is a word. And dismissiveness is the act of being dismissive. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Did you know that being dismissive, one of, the, one, of the wor- one of the meanings behind it is a lack of respect? Like to dismiss somebody. To, to, in other words, you say something to me and I go, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I've dismissed you. I've, I've been dismissive towards you. And that's a lack of respect. Maybe what you said isn't true, but to say it in that way would be dismissive, okay? And, and casual dismissiveness around spiritual warfare simply allows the enemy to make more progress than we do. Because we dismiss it and go, I ain't worried about the devil. God's going to take care of that. Well, then your, your lackadaisical attitude just allows him to make inroads, Somebody has to stand up and say, stop. I said, someone has to stand up and say, stop. Not just in the spiritual realm, even in the realm that we're living in, in the secular world in which we're living in right now. Parents are having to stand up to school boards and say, enough. People are having to stand up to local governments and said, enough. You may be tagged a troublemaker, 
But that's what they tagged all the disciples. Because of their preaching. When you stand up for righteousness sake, the enemy says you, the Bible says you will come under attack. But he said, count it all joy because Jesus came under attack for the same thing. If you do it with the right attitude and the right motive and everything else, it's time to say enough. But we, we're like, oh, but we're the church. We're supposed to love everybody. Somebody needs to yell when your house is on fire, get out of the house. I don't know why I said that. Somebody need to hear that. Our goal in spiritual warfare, I'm almost done. Our goal is to become very aware of Satan method, Satan's methods, but not preoccupied with them. Balance. Everything in balance. That doesn't mean that you can't be aggressive in spiritual warfare because you're balanced. In other words, I don't see everything in, as a, a demon. I told a story years ago, I'll just tell it real quick. When I was in Bible college, my first year, second, second year, I, I remember we just moved into a new campus and in, in the room on the end of the dorm, my, my room, was the only room that was built for three people. All the other dorms were built for, uh, rooms were for two people. And it just happened that the three guys that were in that room, all of us, our last name began with the Z. So, we put a big Z on the door. Z's live here. Serious. And so they had like a, a twin bed here and a set of bunk beds here. So I took the top bunk. And uh, they said, well, I would have wanted the bottom. You can have it. I wanted the top. Because I didn't want to sit up and hit my head every time I'd sit up trying to get out from underneath that bed. So I was on the top bunk, and I was studying on the top bunk one day. All of a sudden, my door kicked in. The dorm door kicked in. And there's a guy standing there like this, like an old cowboy with two six-shooters. And he goes, have you seen the devil? And I, I, I looked at him, and I went, he ain't here. Well, I'm looking for him. And I remember thinking, I don't go looking for the devil because usually there's trouble right around the corner already. But, you know, when a guy's standing there like this, ready to draw on make-believe guns, you know, I'm not going to play with him. I said, he ain't here. He said, well, if you see him, tell him I'm looking for him. And I knew his name. I said, I sure will. Bye. And he went to turn around. He went like this. They're like a cowboy, you know. And I said, close the door. <laughs> and he did. And I heard him at the, at the room across the hall, kicked in the door. Is the devil in here? I'm thinking, boy, how dumb. Wasting your time going and looking for the devil. I said, I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. We don't go looking from the battle for the battle, but we don't run from it either. When we see it, we run to it. But I don't go looking for it. And remember that spiritual battles are often found in the small and more subtle things. It's easier to say no to major sins 
If the enemy can get us to say yes to very small temptations, then he's got his foot in the door. And it gets easier and easier to say yes. Last thing, focus your energy toward dependence and intimacy with God. And that's what that story was about. Quit looking for the devil. Look for the presence of God. Look for God himself. Get in his presence. Listen, your love for God, your worship, and your consistency in your prayer life is the best investment for the spiritual battles that are going to come your way. In fact, if I could have made a point, I should, probably should have said this, but I'm going to say it to you. Your love of God is a direct assault against the enemy. How many of you have ever thought about it that way? Your love of Jesus and the degree of how sold out you are is a direct assault against the enemy and his kingdom. The closer you are in your relationship with God, I'm just going to say, because I really believe this, the more that he can fight your battles. If we'd spend more time seeking him, we'd have fewer battles. And you say, why? I thought you just said it's in proportionate to your prayer. I'm just saying that a lot of times our battles are there because we're not where we're supposed to be. So we need to head off battles that we can, be prepared for battles that come, but don't go looking for them. And here's the last key. When it comes to the spiritual warfare, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory because Jesus is our victor. It is finished. He said, it is done. It is complete. So we have tools and we have weapons for spiritual battles when they come. We, they're useless if we don't use them. So we need to be familiar with them. Don't go looking for battles, but when one comes, don't run from it. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning, those of you that you have either just gone through a battle and you find yourself weary or you're in the midst of one right now. I want to pray for you this morning. I don't want to know what it is or anything. I don't need to know all that. But if that's you, we want to pray for you this morning. And if that's you, would you give us the honor to pray for you by simply coming up, standing right across the front right here and right now. We're ask members of the prayer team to come and pray us is they're coming forward come on you're weary you've been through the ringer so to speak we want you to come we want to pray for you
find someone stand behind right there and begin to pray with them right now. Bible says that in our weakness he is made, we are made strong through him you may not understand the, the battle you may not understand the struggle the reason whatever but God does God does God does right now God we recognize that you are the author and perfecter of our faith and your ways are different than our ways and we may not understand all the whys and the wherefores and therefores whatever the purpose may be, but God, we recognize that you're the source of our life. You're the source. You're the very essence of our being, Lord God. The essence of our being, Lord God. God, we come to you right now. against every negative word, every negative thought that's been planted by the enemy, by the kingdom of darkness into our brothers and sisters' lives. We come against it in Jesus' name and we rebuke it and plead the blood of Christ over their mind and over their hearts and their spirit right now, Lord. Bring total healing. Bring total healing right now, Lord God. God, let your forgiveness pour forth. God, let your love and mercy and pour forth right now, Lord God. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. We rebuke every lie every lie that is found fertile ground in the soul of everyone 
Father, we rebuke it in Jesus' name and we command it to be gone right now. To be gone right now, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Father, right now. Mighty God, permeate this place right now. Set them free. Set them free. Set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. someone here or that you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I, I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you stand with the Lord. But I'm telling you the battles are real. And if you're trying to fight them without Christ on your side, you cannot win. Because the, the battle's rigged against you. It's only Jesus who can set you free. If you want to receive Christ right now, the Bible says you have to believe that He is the Son of God, that He was born of a virgin, that He lived a life without sin. He died on a cross. He was buried for three days and was raised again. If you believe that in your heart and confess that with your mouth, I believe. God said you can be saved. All your sins washed away. A new beginning starts today may be watching by way of the internet and that's what you need to do right now you need to accept Christ into your life so just pray this simple prayer with me there's nothing magical or mystical about the words it's just meaning it from the heart dear God in heaven I come to you this day and I am a sinner I need a savior I believe that Jesus died for paid the price for my sins I ask you to come into my life Jesus forgive me of my sins from this day forward I will follow you in Jesus name the Holy Spirit I just pray right now if anyone prays that prayer God, you'll come into their life and begin to teach them and guide them and direct them in the truths concerning Christ that they might be free from every bondage in their life as Jesus paid the price. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. If you have any special
invite you to come and we'll pray with you right now. If not, I pray God's blessings be upon you. His presence go with you. His word be enriched inside of you. And that you hear the voice of the Spirit of God direct your paths. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come and we'll pray. Otherwise, God bless you.